Welcome to Alumni Voices, a podcast series from Oxford University. I'm Paul Hammond Davies, and every month I speak to a former student about their days at Oxford and the impact of their studies upon their career. For this episode, I'm joined by Miles Young, ex chairman and CEO of the international advertising, marketing, and public relations agency Ogilvy and Mather. Miles started his career at Lintas and Alan Brady and Marsh before joining Ogilvy and Mather in 1982. In October 2016, he was installed as the warden at New College, the same college where he read history as an undergraduate. I interviewed Miles in the warden's lodgings at New College, so do excuse some of the background noise. As an undergraduate at Oxford, you studied history at New College. What are your memories of being a student here? Um, They're very fond memories and also they're very vivid memories. I was lucky to have three tutors um, at that time in New College who were extremely different from each other, but in their own ways, each one was quite superb. And there's Penry Williams, who um, was essentially a Tudor's historian. There was Gary Bennett, who was an 18th century British historian. And then there was Eric Christensen, who was a 19th century European historian, as far as we were concerned. I think what they did was to give one an intense enthusiasm for the subject, but not by directly encouraging you. You, you, you were let off on your own devices and you were stimulated to read around the topics that they set. Penry in particular was a classic tutor. If you ever wanted to have someone who epitomised the tutorial system at its very best, it would be him. Um, he um, was quite disciplined. Uh, he was quite uh, methodical. Eric, uh, by contrast, was wild and untamed. He, he sadly died just two weeks ago. But he um, was the one who encouraged you to rebel a little bit. I always remember the first reading list that he ever gave us for 19th century European history. It was just a list of novels, nothing more. And you thought, well, why is that? You know, What am I going to do with that? But what it did was to help you gain context and empathy with the period in a, in a soft way that just simply lunging into a series of essay questions wouldn't have done. So really good memories um, academically. Uh, of, of course, uh, as I'm answering the question, I'm realising that I'm self-editing myself because there was a, <laughs> an enormous amount of fun as well, uh, I, I think. College is a very happy college. Uh, I'm still in touch with very many of the friends who were my friends um, then. Uh, we did a lot of punting, we did a lot of eating out, um, we did a lot of socialising, uh, and we did a lot of extracurricular activities. So it was a, a perfect Oxford, um, looking back. Having said that, it was also a time of tension. Um, mm. It was a time of student tension, and I touched that quite a bit because I was president of the JCR. I was in the, not exactly the thick of it, but in some of the aftermath of it. And what was that tension around? Tension was uh, the campaign by OUSU to have a central students' union building. So they occupied what used to be the Indian Institute. And that occupation lasted for some days. And during the mass protests which seed around it, images of the proctors were burnt in effigy, etc., etc. Well, that was in my first year. Um, I, I was elected JCR president, um, I, I suppose, on a mid-ground ticket. Mm. But those protests um, were very much the context to student politics at the time. And in a curious way, allowed us at a local college level to negotiate very toughly with 
um, our college authorities on the famous um, college charge, which had to be dealt with each year. That I mean, that's quite interesting. So how do you think an Oxford degree um, and those experiences prepared you for your professional life? It is an interesting question because I would be lying if I, I said there was any direct subject link. When I read history, I went into advertising. I don't think it, it matters in the slightest what, what degree subject you study uh, in relation to what career you ultimately take up. Um, unless, of course, it's a vocational subject when it, when, it, when it can matter. I passionately believe that what Oxford does is to train your mind. It trains you how to think. It trains you in analysis, in logic, in, in the ability to argue iteratively. And those are what it gives you. With what material you apply those um, mental disciplines uh, is frankly immaterial. So I, I could have read English, I could have read philosophy, I, I could have read physics. Um, I think the Oxford system would still have given one the, the same intellectual um, training. History happens to be, I, I think, particularly useful for anyone in business because history is a generalist discipline and most business roles are generalist. In other words, we have to comprehend different disciplines, different specialisms. So just as in, in, in history you syncretize um, and, and synthesize the relationships between economics, politics, theology, philosophy, geography, uh, science, or, or whatever, so in business you, you do the same. So, so that very specific ability, I think, is helpful. It's also helpful in, in, in general because it's good training for anyone who's involved in strategy. Most of the big historical issues uh, at, at the end of the day are boiled down to strategic decisions that people make. Understanding how they make those decisions, the factors which influence them and the processes through which they make them, sometimes the um, happenstance which um, intervenes, all are really helpful when one's looking strategically at how a business develops or the choices that a business has to make. Post-Oxford, what led you into a career in PR and advertising? Oxford led me into it because I went to the Oxford University Appointments Board, which was then headed by someone called Tom Snow, who was a fellow of New College. And I said to Tom, Tom, uh, um, my father would quite like me to become a lawyer or an accountant. I think uh, I, I'm not keen to take the time which is involved um, in becoming a lawyer. And I know I don't want to become an accountant. So, <laughs> so, so what can you recommend? He said, well, maybe you should look at something to do with sales. Um, you should look at marketing and uh, advertising. So he arranged a series of interviews for me, some with marketing organisations, which I didn't feel were quite right for me, and indeed they didn't feel I was quite right for them. And then one in the advertising business, which was a company called Lintas. So I went up to London, I went through their graduate recruitment process, which was pretty professional um, and quite intimidating at the time, and I managed to get a, a place there. So it was entirely an Oxford recommendation. <laughs> which led me into the business. I didn't really know much about the business, to be honest, when I started. But as soon as I'd spent a week there, I realised that I loved it because it was a people business. There are no physical assets in the advertising world. We often don't even own our buildings. So the only assets we have are people and the talent that those people represent. Dealing with people, getting the best out of people, motivating people, leading people, chaperoning people, uh, training people allowing people to be creative. That's what the business was. And even at an entry level, you could understand that and realise that. So I enjoyed it um, 
every week I worked until eight weeks ago. And you spent a large part of your career at Ogilvy and Mather. In the three decades that you were there, you saw huge changes in the advertising and PR sector. What was that like from your vantage point at the top of one of the biggest agencies in the world? It was, it was very exciting. Exciting because there were two fundamental changes which affected us, both of which I was intricately involved in. The first is the growth of new markets in the world. I was lucky enough to move to Asia pretty early on in my career. Spent 15 years there at a time when some countries were just coming into the global economy, in particular China. I worked in and out of China very, very extensively. And by the time I left, we do have now some 5,000 people working in China. But also other developing markets that I was particularly engaged in, such as Vietnam, Indonesia, uh, the Philippines, uh, Pakistan, so on. To me, it was fascinating to be able to work in those countries to help develop their capability to uh, bring clients to those countries and to build sustainable businesses which gave employment there. The second big change was the change um, in how we do business. So the digital revolution has transformed our business. There are deniers still, so there are still people who believe that advertising is only about creating a 30-second television spot. Actually, we've never believed that. We always had a comprehensive view of advertising um, and believe very profoundly in what, what is called in the jargon of the industry integration. So we were not just an advertising agency, we're a public relations, we're an activation agency, we're a consulting business, um, we're a direct marketing business. What digital does is to make sense of all that. It acts mm. as a common unifying thread. So very early on, we, we pushed digital and we set out to become the most digital communications network in, in the world. If you combine digital and developing markets, you've got a, a, a superb sweet spot. That, I suppose, has been the most exciting part of the last 10 years. David Ogilvy was famous for his Ogilvyisms. Mm. Um, do you have any favourites? Only first-class business in a first-class way. I mean, it's one of the least um, magical, perhaps, of his uh, bon mots, but uh, it's, it's such an important thing in business or in, in life. If you, if you start to um, look for quantity over quality, if you start to compromise on the sort of people you, you work with or the standards that you have, it's a downward spiral which never, never, never stops. So I, I profoundly believe in that. He had another one, which I also like, but which we have to qualify now, because as he originally said it, it was that he would only employ gentlemen with brains. So of course, we always say gentle men and gentle women now. And people sometimes say, well, isn't that a very old-fashioned thing to say? It, I don't think it is, because the gentle in gentle women and, and, and gentle men means something about good manners, but also about a, a view of life which is empathetic and holistic. I've had some fun relating that back to William of Wickham, who's our founder here in New College, because his motto was manners maketh man. And there's definitely a common um, cultural gene, uh, I think, which uh, I can recognise in the two organisations, Ogilvy Mather and New College, which maybe is why I feel at home in both of them. You've recently stepped down as CEO. Um, what will you miss most about being there? Well, I'll miss the people. Um, it's a people business, as I said, and the people are, are, are what, 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 I, what I love and, and enjoy about it. I, I'll miss the travel to some extent, uh, and not in other ways. Um, so I was travelling about 70% of my time before I came here, never a week when I wasn't on a flight um, of some sort. So I wake up in the morning now uh, here in New College and think, well, why aren't I on 
<laughs> flying from the Guardian this morning to somewhere. Uh, <laughs> that's probably a good thing to to, 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 to be in one place. I, I, I've never been longer in one place than the eight weeks or so that I've spent here in, in wow. New College for, for, for decades. On the other hand, there's something about being in different countries and in different cities that I'm, I'm sure I will miss and that I'll need definitely to uh, um, find a way of remedying in the vacations. So you were recently installed as the warden of New College um, and you've talked about some of the similarities in that, the culture with Ogilvy and Mather and, and New College, but w- what else attracted you back to your alma mater? Again, the people. The fellows are a fantastic uh, group of people. They work incredibly hard. I think sometimes in business, you know, people have the perception that academics don't have much to do. You know, there's this image of them you know, drinking port and, and <laughs> <laughs> reading in a rather relaxed way things that interest them and doing the odd tutorial every day. And it's so, so totally untrue. And they, they work unbelievably hard. At what they do, they are very passionately concerned with the undergraduates who are here. So that 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 certainly attracted me. Uh, but from a selfish point of view, I was attracted at the idea of learning something new. I, I think in, in in life, it's very easy to get in a rut. I, I was I was saved from a rut by moving to Asia and spending a large part of my life in Asia. Then I was saved from another rut by moving to New York. And ten years after that, I needed to do something else. So coming back to Oxford will be an intense learning curve. It already is, but I find it hugely stimulating and I believe in life you have to always reinvent yourself. In fact, going right back to your first couple of questions, that's something which Oxford gives you, I think, mm. which is a, an innate curiosity or a willingness to, um, to, to want to push your own frontiers the whole time. So I couldn't imagine retiring to a holiday um, condominium in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> and is, is there anything in particular that you're looking forward to in this new role? I'm looking forward to getting to know the students and helping them. I, I remember when I was here, the then warden was very open and friendly and left a mark on all of us. If one can leave a small positive mark on a number of the students, then it would be mission accomplished, in, in my view. You were an undergraduate here in 1973, that's when you matriculated. Is there a sense that Oxford has changed or New College has changed? Of course it's changed, time? of course it's changed. I mean, it's, it's changed because um, it ceased to be a single-sex institution. It's changed because of the admission of large numbers of new graduates. Um, I, I think the first change is absolutely fantastic. Second change, we just need to be careful about how it's managed. Um, one of my big uh, objectives here is to ensure that graduates who are at New College get as much as possible of the collegiate experience, mm. the Oxford added value. I, I think it's a much more open place than it was before, but a lot of the vital ingredients do remain the same. It, it's, it's caring, it's, it's uh, sensible, it's um, committed to excellence. Um, those things haven't changed. From it, within the college, um, I think there's a greater friendliness somehow. That mm. um, probably is uh, something to do with the informalization of society. It's a much neater and better kept college than it was, thanks to a very dedicated Chattels fellow. It was a bit run down, frankly, when, when we were here. It's a perfect mix now. But the, the essence 
of, of Oxford hasn't changed, in, in my view. It's, it still remains distinct, and I hope it will do so, because that's what makes it a brand. Yes, I come from the world of branding, and you have to ask yourself, what is it that makes one university different from another? Not necessarily better, but different. It is a whole series of intangibles, and that is um, at least tantamount to what you'd expect in the world of branding. Great brands stand for something. I think it's pretty clear that Oxford does stand for something different. If that different starts, different starts to erode, um, then it's a very slippery slope. And we always end on the same question. Um, and in light of your professional experience, do you have any advice for current students or indeed prospects who are considering working for a large PR or advertising agency? Good question, because in a sense, I've just been seeing uh, a lot of students um, who... Uh, had to some extent been asking me similar questions, um, uh, including one or two very specifically about uh, advertising. I'm doing collections at the moment, so it's a huge number of students who come through my study each week uh, for 10 minutes. I do have one very specific piece of advice, which is so contrary to the story I told you about my getting into advertising, which was slightly accidental and not based on any really thorough research or reading. And that advice is you just cannot read enough about, about the topic before you go to an interview. I speak as someone who was involved in graduate recruitment, particularly in the States. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to get something like six or 7,000 applications for, for 20 places. First of all, you winnow down the applications. So the quality of the personal statement equivalent in those applications is, is absolutely critical. What they will look for is whether the candidate has got... First of all, some freshness and originality of thinking. But secondly, whether they think they've got the endurance, the ability to persevere, and the industry to carry them through. So in the end, how hard you work comes back, I'm afraid, to hit you. So my advice is you need to invest a lot of time in, 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 in researching the topic before you even put pen to paper for, for an application letter or certainly before you go and attend an interview. Miles Young, thank you for sharing your personal story. Thank you very much. If you would like to listen to other episodes of Alumni Voices, please visit www.alumni.ox.ac.uk.